and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that finished Gundam Build Fighters and decided to reconquer the next real Gundam series. My name is Jeremy. This is the last episode I'll be a competent podcaster, after which my <laughs> podcasting skill will be slowly siphoned by Zach. I'm Tyler. I don't need to siphon your podcasting skill. No, no, yeah, I, I kind of do. My name is Zach. <laughs> Today we are watching the second Reconquista in G movie, Bellry's Fierce Charge. And I hope it goes faster than the last movie because I have to edit this in checks notes three days. <laughs> I, isn't Bellry's Fierce Charge also like the same title like episode seven? That's like Bellry Charges In. It's very similar. Zach is checking his notes. Uh, turns out, no, there's no Bellry's Fierce Charge in here. There's nope. no Bellry Charges anything. There is the Mass Corps' Fierce Assault. Yeah. and <laughs> Which like, is where thematically th- similar. And where this one starts is Delison, Delinson, a fearsome foe. <laughs> so fi- everything's fierce. Fierce and fresh. Except Ida. Poor Ida. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're going to watch ep- movie two of Reconquista in G, Bellry's Fierce Charge. You can watch along, too, if you have cheat codes. So, like the previous movie, this is a recap of the episodes we have done thus far. This one is pretty much 6 through 11, and we're just going to be going over the changes and various things we want to hit again. It won't be a full plot recap to hopefully save you, and more importantly, me, some time. (laughs) (laughs) No opening theme song this time. Well, there kind of is. They wrote a theme for the movies that I actually kind of dig, but it doesn't get an opening sequence. It just kind of plays over the megafauna blasting into space. Oh, did they do better on the animation here on the megafauna? It feels like the wings are a bit more I feel fleshed like the, out. the animation in the movies, I feel and it may just be like the quality of the movies that we got. Like I feel like the animation in the movies is just better all around. They certainly didn't reanimate all of it though. Man, remember when Delinson was still alive? I Barely. this felt like a huge this felt like a 100 years ago when I was rewatching this movie. Yeah, cuz we are Starting weirdly at like midway through episode six, we should have just watched the first movie before episode six. If I was thinking about it, but I thought there was more space stuff in that movie than there uh, is. So the, this is new of all of these uh, Katesis and whatnot launching. We, we, didn't we see get this a, before and a rose scented Efrog pilot. I don't know if he's important, but they give him a surprising number of lines. He will never show up again. I do like, uh, we, we made fun of this during the episode of, like, how many people are just, like, assaulting Bellary with information as they put the reflector shroud. It fits better um, in the movie, though, because it matches the pace of everything. Yeah, well, and I feel like they just handle it a little bit better. Like, there's a lot more motion going on in the hangar. Exactly, which fits the pace of the dialogue. Yep. Ida's line that she delivers actually fades out a little bit as she, like, floats out of view, um, which I thought was a really nice touch. Yeah, all the, all the people and whatnot make it feel like it's just a very busy hangar so exactly. having people hollering information around makes a lot more sense yeah it's it's a lot less disjointed than the episode's version was i think that was also a new one belry wondering did they get aboard that fry scop and they also uh showed the argument between like delinson and jugan and bell's mom although we saw some of it last movie yeah i do like that sh- the shot of uh more of this mobile suit the, the elf bull, bull. No, no, this is the Elf Bullock. The Elf Bull, the elf uh, bull is the mass production version. No, you're, you're right, you're right. Not important, but true. We're getting a little bit more in like the way of setup for the conflict here, which I guess makes a bit more sense since they panned it over two different, uh, two different movies. Yeah, this is the start of a movie, so we need more exposition on what's about to happen. And, you know, get people kind of back up to speed with what was going on if there had been a lot of time in between the releases of the two movies. Uh, yeah, this one is just before COVID, so... I don't think it's the longest gap, but I don't remember how long it is. Nothing like the episode, the uh, first Ava movie into the second Ava movie. No, I was going to say nothing's like that, but ah, uh, Monica Four guys, it's going to be a Persona game. It's going to rule. <laughs> Jeremy has managed to manifest another fourth movie. <laughs> I mean, I, I look, this one's just finally happening. We already knew. I'm so excited, guys. Okay, so remember, everybody in the Discord, if you have a fourth movie you really want to be manifested into existence, tell Jeremy and get him on board, because he's already done it twice. I mean, the Gundam (laughs) Seed movie also happened when I was thinking about various different content we could do with it as it came out, which is kind of weird serendipity. But I don't think I have these powers. I don't know. (laughs) It seems awfully coincidental. I am not Genorobochi. I wish I was. (laughs) Maybe there's someone in uh, Japan who's got the power who's listening to us. 
Is he responsible for Expendables 4? <laughs> I feel like there's also better exposition about what the megafauna is doing and how the space fleet is out there on maneuvers and why Bellary wants to get a picture of it. I think the explanation of what Ameria is up to is way better in this movie, especially for information going forward. Yeah, in the fact that there is any explanation, really, at all. I yeah, because in, in the episodes, he just kind of wants, like, he's like, is that the fleet over there? And you're like, what fleet? What fleet are we talking about? Why do you, you want to know? Like, why are you looking for it? And unfortunately, that never goes anywhere, right? So it is just supposed to be for our benefit, so we know the fleet is there. And I like it how they do it in the movie a lot better, where they tell us. We also get a much better shot of... Bellry basically commandeering the fry scop that he's on to get a better view over the horizon. Well, we get um, it from Ida's point of view, which is kind of interesting. Like, a lot of it is the same lines. I just feel like the transition in general is a lot better. Um, and we see, like, wh- how how he gets up there. He actually jumps off of it. Um, he uses the reflectors a little bit to get a better view. I do wish this ever came up again, like he gave it to his mom or something. Yeah. The Capital Army also seems to just know this already, so. Well, I mean, on the one hand, it makes some sense that they wouldn't necessarily be, he wouldn't necessarily communicate it to his mom simply because of the fact that, uh, like, he's not part of the Capital Army, he's part of the Capital Guard. But so is his mother. She's also very anti-Capital Army. But by the time he's talking to his mom, they're basically working with the Capital Guard as part of the Amerian thing anyway. It's true. When they bring in Lieutenant Curbs. Oh, don't worry, factions are going to get more confusing soon. Great. Does look like the animation on basically anything the megafauna is doing seems to have been improved. Yeah, and like I said, we get a lot more of mustachioed Roseman flying a doobie dubby. I wonder if he is some sort of celebrity voice actor. I don't think so, but I wonder. He's got that kind of featured part. Yeah, especially because he's just like, he's a random. Like, yeah. Who are you? <laughs> That's not what deflecting means, Bellry. It more absorbed the beam, dude. I also didn't notice that in this episode that the Fryscop that Naredo and Raraya are in gets hit. I don't think it gets hit in this series, in the actual, like, series. Okay. I think it's added in here kind of to explain why they disappear from the front line for a while. Gotcha. And just kind of pop up later. It is also clearer to me that Delincent's saying, hey, is the G-Self under pirate control? What he is implying there is Bellry is not piloting it. Which we know is not true, but it explains his shock later. And Bellary does go all out against him. There is still the weirdness about the elf bullock being in Bellary's mind a step too far from the capital army, which I wish we saw more of the elf bullock being cool for that reason, right? Because he's like, it transforms, that's crazy. And I'm not Zach, I'm not anti-transforming mobile suit, but it doesn't automatically make you crazy overpowered, unstoppable, just because you can transform. It does also have like, beam spam in a way that other things don't. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like an impressive threat, right? Maybe because it's just a monster of the week that Bellary takes out pretty easy, but it yeah. doesn't seem like it's crazy. But it doesn't seem to have the same kind of thing. Like, I see where Jeremy's coming from. Like This isn't like the big Zam or something like that. It's like, it's too far. It's like, it transforms. It's not really that much different from everything else you've been dealing with. Yeah, even stuff we see from the Mac Knife Slater, I feel like is more impressive. Anyway, hey, as we said earlier, they have added animation to show how Delinson gets cut in half so that we know what happens to his bottom half. Yeah, basically, Bellary just shoves a shield through the half of it. And then through the contact link of a beam rifle on the cockpit, they finally get to see each other before Bellary just blows up Delinson. Well, I feel like it's actually... Like, he gets the shield in there, so that's where the primary contact is. And that's where Delinson, I would guess, hears him as Bellary shouts about how it's like, you know, it's a step too far. Actually, I, they did a much better job with Bell's reaction, too, is like he's much more immediately shocked and trying to justify it. Yeah, most of what they add to this movie is to deal with the Delinson stuff, which I like. And this is very similar to his reaction when he kills Cahill as well, right? Only then he's, I mean, more defensive because he didn't know who Cahill was. But he's still here, very defensive of his own actions, blaming, hey, it's because you had a transforming mobile suit. You you resorted to a cheap trick. It's not my fault. Let's try transforming. That's a cheap trick. Although it does still have the um, Bellary going back into kind of defensive, gotta grab Klim mode. Yeah. 
But also at the end of the descent, he sort of breaks down again, and Clem is like, "Hey, I'll I'll finish it off for you, buddy." Bellary even comments, "Hey, did my Efrug team just arbitrarily decide to retreat?" Clem Nick's like, "Uh, no, they were like doing everything they could, man." I love how uh, Bellary's one memory that he pops up to flashback to Delinson is being whipped by him and instructing. Or a- attempted to be whipped by him. Well, that's the most fatherly thing you can do in a Gundam series. Strike! <laughs> Although I think Bellary was talking about the F-Rugs that the... Uh, as opposed to the Fry that the That the Amerians were using. Maybe. I, I took that as the one that Nareda and Raya is well, on, you guys the, might be right. Because theirs are Fry Scops. Yeah, the Efrugs are the capital armies. I think Efrug is a generic term. I'm not sure on that, but we later on a bunch of things are referred to as Efrugs that are I th- doobies and. But I think uh, uh, Bellry has consistently referred to them as Fryscops when he's talking about the uh, Amerian army ones, and Efrugs when he's talking about the capital army. You may be right. I also really like how they've changed the scene when they get back in to make everyone trying to debrief and figure out what's going on with the elf bullock and them just kind of ignoring Bellry and having to eventually notice how fried he is from the fact that he killed his own instructor. But they're all busy like, oh man, what are the stats on this new enemy? What are its weaknesses? Do we think fire damage will work? <laughs> oh, hey, we've already seen the mass production version of that. It's no problem. As Raraya is basically playing with Bellary's hair. And Ida even looks concerned about him for a moment. But then she's like, no, I'm still mad at him for killing my dude. <laughs> Although we we do kind of hear in the background Bell getting sick on the elevator back up, which I don't think happened in the episode. No, all of this no, is new. Yeah, this is all new because I think we we basically went from Ida said like, he I heard him say that it was his instructor and then we cut to him like in the bed. Uh, Ida says uh, we should let him rest in the uh, series, whereas here she's more just watching him and sort of considering, and it's Danielle and Naredo who are like, hey, he needs he needs to have a minute. Which honestly does make a bit more sense from the character points we've been given, because Ida, Ida seems to bounce back and forth as to whether or not she actually seems to be concerned with Bellary's welfare. And I think the movie does a good job of smoothing that out, especially with scenes like this where you can tell she's halfway there. I mean, it's fine for her to be kind of inconsistent as she's like, this is someone who clearly needs help. And then, like, does the helping thing and then remembers, oh, right, I'm supposed to hate you. <laughs> it does have that very teenage air to it. Unrelated, I did look it up. Efrog is, in fact, a generic term for subflight systems in this show. Okay. So, so fry scops and do- doobies, dubbies. Um, a, a fat doobie. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're fat rugs, Tyler. That's what the F stands for. <laughs> they're frugs. I like the storm animation coming in back into harbor. That that's definitely new. Yeah, all of this scene is new too, and we get a dream sequence from Ida that also helps with her like sort of figuring out her relationship with Bellary. Uh, and we we get flashbacks to her, like, or if not flashbacks, concerns that she had that she's just being what's the word I want? Not coddled, but humored like, by everybody yeah. because she is the general's son, daughter, son, daughter. You know. That's what you call a tomboy, right? A sun daughter? As opposed to a moon sun. Yes. Um. And also, she remembers Cahill being like, hey, we'll make a pirate out of you yet. If you don't fix that tomboyish attitude, I'll be too scared to propose to you. And then she cuts to remembering Bellry, like, going up the elevator and getting sick. And just as she comes down, hard cut. Just <laughs> hard cut to, <laughs> to the start of the speech. next episode. Yeah, to, to the mask core aboard the Granadon. They did such a good job in the first movie of adding transition scenes between episodes. And this is the one for these two. And I really like it, but it does not transition us at all. It's not even storming over here as well. First to third. Allow me to tell you the truth about myself. I, too, am a Kintala just like you, just like in the series. Yeah, I was going to say, this scene is identical. It could have used some help. Uh, we also get a new scene of naked Bellary, or mostly naked Bellary, running into semi-naked uh, uh, Ida, being like, hey, good job yesterday. Uh, this is awkward. Bye. <laughs> it also feels like there's more of Clem Nick eyeing up Raraya before deciding to put her in the G-self, but I'm not sure if I'm imagining that or not. I feel like there is. Like, he he's considering her more as a prospect for... Something. Something. Yeah, not sure what. Fortunately, they did not cut out the scenes of Raya adorably napping in the G-Self's palm. Look, there's a lot I don't like about the upcoming episodes, but we're going to get some peak adorable Raya coming up. 
I do love the maniacal laugh that someone voices while they inflate the <laughs> megafauna balloon. Look, it's going to be much more effective than anyone could have hoped. <laughs> they made sure to keep the segue scene. Yeah, everyone likes a good segue to a new scene. They also made sure to keep in the hippo laughter scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's still equally out of place. It's just like more jarring in the movie for some reason. Well, because it comes right after she says, I can't approve this. And it seems very serious. It's also basically her first scene in the movie, right? Yeah. Yep. Where did they learn the name of the megafauna? Like, who told them that's what it's called? Great question. That's usually a thing that Tomino is obsessed with, too. You know, Sharby calling it the Trojan horse that entire TV series. Even after he learns its real name. The legged ship. <laughs> That's Clem Nick for you. Just random manipulating an amnesiac. Although he didn't, like, in that one it didn't sound like anybody knew that's what he was doing. When I snap my fingers, Raya, you will be an excellent G-Self pilot. And cluck like a chicken for me. Clem Nick. <laughs> the one with beautiful eyes. I do like, I think they added some extremely zany, nearly Benny Hill music to Belle's mom escaping in the glider, which I like fairly well. They also, like, cut away before she, like, reveals the game, and I can't remember if they did that in the episode or not, but it just, like, shows the glider launching and then cuts, and everyone's like, well, that just happened. I think in the series they have the, well, that just happened, they do the, well, that just happened, and then it cuts back to her in the glider and is like, I wonder if I overdid it. Oh, no, there's no spacesuit in here. Or banana cakes. In space, no one can hear you pastry. But they can taste you pastry. Are they spacetries? No, that's a Final Fantasy thing. I just watched Castle in the Sky last night, and it did end with a space tree. Mm. There are a surprising number of scenes in this show of people just drinking out of water bottles. But we've noted that. It's actually basically every time we see somebody in a mobile suit, they're probably going to be taking a drink of water at some point. Hydration is important. <laughs> Remember your favorite VTuber, Mask Son, says hydrate. <laughs> Remember, hydrate or dishonor the Kintala. <laughs> Although we did apparently learn the name of the pilot of the the dude that basically tosses Belry into the Jahannam. It's Ginger. Ginger. It's ginger. <laughs> Don't worry, he has a soul. He's not a ginger. His parents just named him that as a cruel joke. Or maybe he didn't want his soul to be weighed down by gravity and thought, hey, if he doesn't have one, he'll be a new type. Or at the very least, he won't be mildly menaced by gravity. I'm going to interpret Raya seeing beam explosions as a new type flash. <laughs> I don't think that's what it is, but you're fair to do. You're allowed to do so. I can't stop you. I'm still surprised nobody managed to put uh, two and two together with the fact that, hey, it's not shooting at us. Something's fishy. Uh, maybe they just thought it was out of ammo after its space adventure. It has beam guns. Maybe it was out of beam ammo. Bammo, if you will. <laughs> the last time Ida gets to do something, saving Clem's Montero. She gets to do some stuff in space, but only when Bellary is instructing or helping her. She becomes an assist for Bellary after this. <laughs> She's his, his quarter circle forward. The reason why the bird has red eyes, Rariah, is because we all know birds aren't real. They're just spy drones for the government. Oh, no, it's uh, got the Ray Hunting code. I thought it was a Dragon Ball reference. <laughs> <laughs> we still get the useless arcane transformation for half a second. As it falls down into the ocean to be useless forever. Maybe her competence drowned. <laughs> I like Bellary saving the day more in the movie. I don't think literally any of it has changed. It's still just a bunch of still flashes of him beam sabering. But for some, maybe it's the change in the music. I like it a lot more. A lot of the scenes work better, I think, just because the musical score is a little bit better. Did you notice that he just kind of teleported underwater? Oh, well, he just teleported everywhere in that scene, so it's not really different from any other point. It was just random because I'm like, I'm watching him and he's got like the bubbles behind him. I'm like, wait, when did he get in the water? Uh, think about what the G-Self falling from the sky means. Just, it, you know, in your day-to-day -day life, just think about it some more. That means it should be free for use because it was free falling. The armor Zagan shows up, and I feel like this action scene works worse in the movie because it doesn't have the episode break in the middle, which was really novel and interesting in the series. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with you there, Jeremy, because now it's just kind of like, all right, we're just going to keep going. No, there's a dialogue break. Well, it just feels more awkward because, like, in the show, it had that feeling of, okay, so now the conflict is over feeling, whereas here it doesn't get to the same degree of it it's like, save oh, the day. Okay, halftime. We get three more timeouts. We can all go get some Gatorade real quick. Fighters to your corners. I'll go get a tricky pack. <laughs> <laughs> 
okay, for, for the second half, our offensive adjustment is we're going to put this tricky pack on you. Why? It's tricky. I'm the coach. I say tricky pack. And more importantly, I say model to sell. Although I think they, I think his flight pack wasn't damaged in the episode, in the original episode, was it? Yeah, it was. That's why he lands in the first place. It's okay. They I even remember. comment on like, oh man, it's impressive he can fly at all with it damaged like that. And that is why they put the tricky pack on it, because the tricky pack can just fly. Why did they not use the tricky pack after this? Why it's... did they not use any pack after <laughs> they used it once? The reflector burned up in the atmosphere. The high torque was banished to the shadow realm. I mean, nobody liked the high torque. I like the high torque pack. And then, like, the assault pack hasn't shown up hasn't yet. Hasn't shown up yet. Oh, no. Mariah got stuck in an animation loop. <laughs> Back to the picnic between Ida and her father in the middle of this war zone. It's half, it's half time, Zach. The halftime show is Mick Jack in her armor's Hagen fighting off everyone by herself. That's why she needed all of Ida's competency. And you know what? If Ida did this to me, I think I'd deserve it too. I do still love the hapless engineer who gets knocked off of the G-Cell while they put the tricky pack on. Yeah, none of his content is cut. Though I suppose we do need some comic relief in the middle of this. He's the real halftime show. <laughs> it took off because it's using the tricky pack. How does that explain anything? Uh, because it can fly with the tricky pack? It does establish that. Anyway, Bellary knows that Ida's incompetent now. So he tries to talk her out of joining the fight and throws her to guard duty. I just don't know. Like, she was literally doing fine just a second ago. The movie even added, like, animation of her struggling to do fine flying, which I kind of like, except for, as you pointed out, Tyler, she was doing fine just a second ago. I mean, the only thing I can think of is it's a matter of, like, maybe um, her being off balance when Bellry tossed her, but... And you know... She actually hasn't flown on her own ever. She had the Fryscop before. That's her. She's mostly just fallen, right? Yeah. So I guess there is that. Though it still sucks and makes her feel seem incompetent. When Mask and Mask's 11 bros can fly just <laughs> fine in their crappy mobile suits. I'm glad we kept the scene of Mick Jack in the cockpit changing out like Ram boards. And her going Rambo on a board. Which I suppose we have to keep, because it's kind of the only scene of the armor Zagan transforming. It's okay, Bellry can't fly either. Thankfully, there's a bouncy castle to help. <laughs> like, the balloon does make this battle great. It's a great centerpiece, it's a great gimmick, it's a fun nod to history that the kids won't believe. <laughs> they do, um, they, they didn't really show, like, the middle point of Bellry's mom being like, hey, this was all a trick. We never really see any of it. She's just coming now. And I just going to go shoot her down. Just like Mask is going to shoot down a balloon. Despite the fact that it has a couple of big holes in it already. Uh, I love how indignant he gets. <laughs> a balloon? <laughs> I can't believe we were tricked by a balloon. Also, you don't need the tricky pack anymore because now it can just do Shadow Clone Jutsu on its own without tricks. That does explain really, where it goes. It doesn't need ninja tricks. R really, they're like, uh, what's espers from Final Fantasy VI? You just need to level up with them for long enough, and then, and then you, you get, get their the ability. abilities permanently. I will also say the tricky pack got damaged, which I didn't notice during the episode, which maybe explains why they decommissioned it after this. Not that they really need a reason to just sell more playsets and toys. I don't think she mentioned the fins overloading in the front. She did? Yep. I, I remember that line. Um, I just like the shot of the arcane just spinning off. Like, Ida's blasting off again! Oh no, now I'm flying too good! I'm too high! A wild <laughs> Bell's mob appeared! <laughs> it's your mother, Bell. It was your mother all along. Still the level of panic that Bellry gets is great. I love the dynamic airbag technology in this timeline. There's so much good little thi little things, right? In this series, the airbags, the cockpits, the water bottles, gravity. <laughs> it's just a shame that a lot of the other things, like the plot. Yeah, look, I love the setting, and the more we find out about it, the more we I love it. But the plot, the characters, the exposition, the non-exposition. <laughs> Did they really need to keep the Daniel not putting the pieces together that he's already put the pieces together for? I feel like it works better in the movie because that happened last movie that we had that established. Although I guess we just found had Bellary saying, hey, it's my mom. That's my mom, Ida. Hello, my mom. So maybe we didn't need it. I did have to look up Klimnik's last name again. 
Um, Nikini? Be- because it is Nikini, because his father is Zucchini Nikini. <laughs> yep. President Zucchini Nikini. Yeah, as opposed to crown president. <laughs> <laughs> they do treat it like it's hereditary sometimes. Yeah. Clinton Nikini. <laughs> I just imagine some kid in their backyard with a telescope and like someone coming out and like and the 40k it. inquisition open kicks up. down his door with the shotguns a 10-man squad because you have to take them in tens now <laughs> those aren't inquisition those are our beaties those yeah, are cops. the judge dread cops yeah that... you don't have to take inquisitorial henchmen in tens still find it fun don't miss a single screw why don't you just like Push it all into the ocean. <laughs> Look, Zach, they have a small territory. They need to conserve their resources. They've got important coffee cans to put those screws in. <laughs> <laughs> just a military-grade coffee tin. <laughs> yeah. There's just lines of coffee tins back at base with all different screw sizes in them. No, no. Eight millimeter go in the Folgers. Of course, if it's a uh, standard, you know, military, industrial, every time they have something new, it's got a new coffee can because it's a new proprietary screw. <laughs> Bang, pop, pow. This is an interjection in the middle of the movie to talk about our Patreon.com slash last podcast, where for $5 a month, you could have already heard all of this. Um, but yeah, seriously, hey, everyone, thank you for listening to the movie with us. Um, I don't have a lot to say this week because I'm going to go shove an air conditioner into a wall this afternoon. And while I'm doing that, I may be listening to a podcast. So, hey, I want to know, what things do you do while listening to a podcast? And specifically, this podcast. If you drop in our Discord, that's linked off of our website, www.lastpodcast.com, you can hop in there and let me know, or send me an email at gundam at lasttimeonvideogames.com. Let me know what things you do while you're listening to us. Um, I often listen to podcasts while running, for example, so... I'm curious. Let me know. I'll put the most interesting answer in next week's mid-spot. Okay, let's get back to this movie. Bye. There's a new brief scene of Clem, Nick, and Mick Jack saying, Bye, losers. Yeah, it's slightly (laughs) better animated than it was in the show. (laughs) Well, in the show, we don't even see. We just have them be like, they left. Yeah, we just see the shot of them leaving. Although we don't get a bit of Bellary and his mom asking, hey, will you give us a ride home? It just kind of starts happening. They changed the scene of the terrified mother because in the episode, she just gets up and then gets scared after she sees the megafonder that her kids are screaming about. In this one, she's like, oh no, my kids are screaming and jumps into action. It's a weird change. I don't know why they made it. This scene actually makes a little bit more sense when Naredo is like, oh, I hear Belle was a foster child because the thing that happened literally right before that was Raya being like, Belle, mom. Yeah, it's set up at all. Yeah. To like jog her memory instead of her just being like, hey, Ida, I have some exposition for you. <laughs> and any way we can club it into this show, we will. <laughs> Here, hand me that crowbar. I need it for some dialogue. <laughs> they do change this uh, scene of Bellary mansplaining to Ida to Ida girlsplaining to Bellary. <laughs> and they cut it a bit, too, before a wild mask, of course, appears. Yeah, they also cut out the line that this is supposed to be near Angel Falls. And said Bellary's like, oh, man, Ida's really impressive. Ignore what's about to happen. <laughs> or she gets defeated by gravity. <laughs> well, it is a minor menace. I kind of want to make a game where you just have to, like, make a gravity check every so often. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, gravity is aided by mask. Mask does shoot her before she falls down. Although we still get the same stupid shot of her, like having to hold on to the cliff when her mobile suit can fly. Yeah, it's not great. Although she's already being knocked down, so it works a little better here because there's downward momentum, but it still sucks. Poor Mass just can't catch a break. (laughs) I mean, yeah, he gets shot down by... uh, He gets finished off by Ida. I'd argue he's about to catch a huge break when he jumps (laughs) from the cockpit of a flying mobile suit onto a flying support craft. But yeah, Barara gets more kills in this fight than he does. I mean, to be fair, Mask has been tangling with the uh, main characters. He also fought the unmanned Montero and did <laughs> not win. And Mask is dead. Defeated by gravity, the minor menace. <laughs> this is why he's a jerk to Bellray the whole rest of the series. It's not Lewin anymore, because Lewin died here. Now it's just some hot chick Barara found and put the mask on. <laughs> 
why is there a corpse here? <laughs> oh, no, Lewin was uploaded into the mask, so they just put the mask <laughs> on a new body. <laughs> and it just, like, abs- absorbs into the body. <laughs> yeah. If they weren't incompetent, these Rexnos actually could have gotten a good surprise attack on them. Well, to be fair, they're not attacking. I feel like they're not necessarily incompetent. Yeah, Zach has praised... Curbs? Curbs, uh, thank you. Zach has praised Curbs' competency in particular, at least up until the uh, point where Mask just yoinks him, and he's like, you're my hostage now, yoink. (laughs) (laughs) Everything he does up to then is pretty good. He seems to be one of the few characters who is capable of thinking ahead. Him and noted genius Klimnik. (laughs) Yes. And I guess Delinson. He's dead, though. But Delinson is dead. Maybe Mick Jack, maybe that's just Klimnik telling her what to do. Finn put back is some, like, zero-wing level English. <laughs> Kinda, but it also sounds like the kind of call-out you'd actually hear on a bridge. I was just watching Steer land that ship, and I was wondering about her much more experienced older brother, Maneuver. He just lists lazily to the left. Ida's dad calls the city Bi-Clover, I th- maybe? I think that's, like, the structure. Okay. But I can't tell you that for sure. From what it sounded like, it, it looked like they rephrased it as a the bike clover. So I think it's the structure. Maybe it was a typo and it was the bike lover. Back to Mardi Gras. I wonder if Tomina is trying to make a statement about Japanese work culture with this Mardi Gras or if it's just a thing. When did Mariah's outfit change also? I meant to bring this up when we were watching the show. Because she was wearing like a jumpsuit and then at some point she is wearing like shorts and a crop top. I think when they got to the megafauna, it's been a while that she's been in that. Okay. I love the Space Pope's unnecessary pyrotechnics. Look, if you were Space Pope, you gotta reap the benefits. <laughs> they do dramatically cut the Final Fantasy tableau thing in the church short. I feel like it's more concise because of that. Yeah. But I also, I think, just reads better on a second go-through. Uh, but they just as suddenly get called out. There's no yeah. cool transition scene here. It's just abruptly, hey, we're here, and oh, no, we gotta go. Curb said there's a random encounter. Although we cut back into the church so that Ida's dad can make it clear that the Poton batteries are made at Toasangwa, which is important. And that they apparently want to immigrate to Earth? Yeah, and the people there want to emigrate to Earth, is what Ida's dad believes, which Colonel Kampa starts to say, hey, you're wrong, but then gets called into work. We also cut out most of the cheer rally for the Wuxia. Oh, yeah, that should have been in there. I mean, there is some of it. There's one cheer, and that's about it. It is a little bit baffling to me, the things that they left in, like the random scene of Naredo being like, it's okay, Raya, I'll hold you while we're departing. Like, it could have just not been in there. Feels kind of like some of them, they uh, they just get basically cut out scenes from the episodes and cut, since those were just attached to that particular scene when they stapled it in. It does establish that they get on the doobies and then fly to the megafauna, so it helps, I think, establish that they're pretty far out of town. For this fight, that's the only argument I can think for keeping it. For the third time, <laughs> Danielle learns that the director is Belry's mom. It's just one of those things he can't keep in his head. No matter, like he's figured it out. People have told him, but like it just won't stay there. So Curb's explanation of the high torque pack transitions somewhat awkwardly into a conversation about Delinson's death, which I really like the addition of, but. The change is abrupt. Curb's like, did you encounter Delinson? He died in the battle, and Bellary's like, yeah, he was in a really cool transforming mobile suit, so I had to blow him up. Anyway, I only won because my Gundam is broken. It can do Shadow Clone Jutsu <laughs> for some reason. It's OP. And Curb's like, well, I put the high torque pack on it to limit you, so. <laughs> I do like this, actually, where Curb's is like... Show me what you're actually made of, kid. Show me the guy who killed Delinson. I actually really like it, too. It's probably my favorite addition to the movie. Like I said, I think they do a much better job throughout of dealing with Bellary's killing of Delinson, whereas it's kind of too subtle in the TV series. Well, the fact that Curbs doesn't comment on, on, on it at all in the show. Like, he has no reason to connect the dots, right? I mean, I buy that he does, but I would also buy fine that he doesn't. But they were hanging out for all of the start of the series. I mean, he's pretty, he's a pretty clever guy. I would wager that he probably <laughs> connected the dots when Delinson went out to capture the bell, uh, capture the Bellary, <laughs> capture the G-Cell and get Bellary back and died doing it. So he probably engaged him, especially when he saw Bellary driving the G-Cell. Ida's also got a line about w- worrying if they're relying on Bellary too much, which is in the series as well, but with the stuff that she's gone through, 
in that's been added to her story in this, I think works a lot better. I like I said, it's just a softer version of her softening on Bellary, and I really like it. She also she says the kids are changing, and like maybe she's changing. Yeah. Did he ever think of that, Ida? Huh? Well, it can be both, right? Oh, Bellary yeah. and Naredo have certainly developed, and Mariah is getting more and more human. And less choo me. But I think you're right. I think Ida is also changing. I love the Jugen like Cobra Commander animation. I know you commented <laughs> on being ridiculous, but it just seems like really a G Reco animation to me. It doesn't make him seem cartoonish. This whole like rally is super car- like G.I. Joe, let's go, Wuxias with cheerleaders and everything. And I think that's super on purpose to sort of demonstrate how like not quite seriously they're taking this. It was mostly this episode was really cartoony. Oh, and, for like, sure. It feels better as a scene in the movie. There's also a lot less of that rally, like we said. Yeah. Hey, Thane, I am glad they cut. See, those are rectants and not rect snows. They're more construction-y and less cannon on our shouldery. Yeah, now that I've seen them five minutes apart. That also... So I think the way the movie is paced, we, uh... Danielle shouts about that da- darn tomboy... But given the fact that just, like, not five minutes ago, from our perspective, he was like, hey, don't go out, and then she immediately goes out. It works better for sure, but it's still... The problem is how competent she was early on, right? And how they rob her of that, and so it still feels awkward. Even though everyone is now acting appropriately, it it feels like they have all forgotten the first couple of episodes. Yeah. I do still absolutely love Becker, just like... Time to repel borders, bitches. I'm going to go take back for Raya and Bellary. <laughs> hey, I'm talking over here. Yeah, and because the guy, like, threatens him with a beam rifle instead of just, like, poking him with the multi-ton weapon and killing him outright. <laughs> Curbs kind of does feel like that pilot who is actually much more talented than he appears. He's just always saddled with crap mobile suits. Uh, he gets something better eventually. Ida, on the other hand, has the second best mobile suit and is getting her butt kicked. Pretty literally. I mean, that was a two that that was a sucker punch. There's a lot less time in the movie of them struggling to get the high torque pack working. Yeah. Thankfully. We mostly just see the combat happening while Bellary's waiting. Instead of cutting to him being like, hurry up every five minutes. I do really like the shot of the high torque pack taking off and like the blowback knocking everyone in the hangar away. It does seem incredibly powerful, just also incredibly unusable. They say for land combat, but honestly, it feels more like this is the kind of thing you break out when you need a siege weapon. Yeah, except for it doesn't really have any artillery. Yeah, but the sheer like the sheer size and bulk of it, it's like just slap a couple of big ass cannons on there and you've got yourself some artillery. It does feel like a big Zambuster. And based on that, Bellary should have just worn the high torque pack because it just took several point blank <laughs> shots and was fine. It does look like a big heavy armor. But I mean, it was supposed to be, he was using it as a distraction. It just reinforces the armor of the week, as it were, in that he uses it for like two minutes and then gets out of it and use it as, uses it as a ballistic missile. Also, Becker dies this time. He dies in the movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, he does. He will be back in a future movie. He survives longer in the movies than he does in the series. We don't see him getting menaced by crocodiles, though, and that is sad. To finish the cartoonishness of this episode, I feel like Ida's face is drawn a little bit like more juvenile in the movie. I in think general. there's a lot more cartoonish animation on her, and yeah. when they do that, it is like the scene of her sticking out her tongue is in the series as well, and it looks pretty much the same, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, like, her face shape looks less adult to me overall, and, it, like, I get the impression she's much more of a kid in the movie cut. Yeah, she's definitely older than the rest of the kids, but is still in the kid category. She just wants to eat at the adult table, and Danielle won't let her. <laughs> That's and because hard... the adult table's full of guns. Now now I got a hard cut to the Gronadon launching. Again, transitions, we had them in the first movie, not this one. Ida's dad repeats the line about the understanding what the Pope means by being more afraid of the people on Earth than the threat from space, even though that line wasn't in the movie. Colonel Kumpo commits a mild faux pas and calls it just the Garandon instead of the space Garandon. <laughs> well, he, you see, he acquired the Garandon. Ah, it but was, it wasn't in space when he yeah, acquired it. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Ida's dad doesn't get shot at this time. No, Klimnik uh, complains. Why didn't you shoot him like you did in the series? <laughs> His speech is also a bit different. A little less horny? <laughs> a little more toxically patriotic? 
I know which I prefer. <laughs> <laughs> Even the people in universe don't like the uh, Mac knife. <laughs> they think I looked ugly and dumb. They are correct. You don't like the Power Rangers helmets? No. I vaguely like the Power Rangers helmets. That's the only part of them I like. I kind of like how non-mobile suit they are. How, like, their legs are almost like wings. They just swing around for combat. We do actually, I mean, spoilers for episode 12, we get to see Mask doing some, frankly, totally rad stuff with a back knife, so. Lewin, how could you touch another girl's foot? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, the president's political speech is a lot uh, more convincing in this, but then he does pull out, and then we would become the American Empire, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Which kind of ruins his point. But we do keep, uh... This is Ida- so Goosian style. <laughs> oh, Ida's dead oh. parachuting onto the, uh, the ship again. Well, yeah, you're not gonna cut that. I do love that still- someone basically just calls it as like, oh, man, he does this, like, every week. <laughs> what, he gets around like a GTA character. character. <laughs> I need to go down to the, uh, the store for some milk. Let me go hop into my plane, fly over, and hop out and parachute down. The president has no faith in his son. <laughs> well, to be fair, he doesn't think that his son can defeat the entire fleet on his own. He wants to spend the whole fleet. Makes some sense. Also, maybe don't put a 15-year-old in charge of your battleship. <laughs> <laughs> Generally speaking, a good idea. Even in Gundam, that's usually not what happens. Is he only 15? Ah, uh, uh, How old do you think he is? 17? He's got a Klimton of experience. I mean, he does reference the fact that Amari's been at war with Gondwan for ten years. Oh, he's been at war since he was seven, you think? (laughs) (laughs) They start him early. So you think he's older than Athranzala? Yes. Okay. But younger than Heine (laughs) Westenhuis. He's like 50, right? (laughs) In terms of Gundam character years. Heine Westenhuis isn't older than Athran. Athran's older than Heine Westenhuis now. (laughs) Well, now... (laughs) Do we think we're going to get Rusty and Heine screams in that movie? <laughs> I hope we get a Rusty. Just one Rusty. I don't think we're going to, though. Did Clem get promoted, or is he just temporary captain? Well, in Japanese culture, captain is just, like, means you're in charge of a ship. It's okay. not a rank. No, that's really. what I meant. Okay. To be fair, anybody in charge of a ship is generally referred to by the epithet captain. Doesn't yeah. really matter what rank they are. That's yeah. kind of universal. Yes, but captain is not a rank in Japan, the Japanese military. Period. No, it's like Taisho. Yeah. Whichever one translates as captain. I think it's about the equivalent, but I don't actually know. I'd have to double check. I only know that word from Bleach, honestly. Taisho? I feel like I know it from Gundam Seed. There were qu- I knew a few because they were the special like pilot cards for the Draconis Combine and Clicky Tech. The way the Mac knives launch on their knees is so dumb. The way they fly. <laughs> like I said, I kind of love it. <laughs> I just had a thought of someone having one of those like water bottles and just kind of like having it floating near them because that's what they were doing outside of combat, getting into combat and having the thing just bounce around constantly hitting them in the head. That does seem like something that would be in an anime. That's why you need cup holders in your mobile suit. Do we think the uh, the new Gundam has cup holders? No, Amuro's <laughs> too much of a square. It just has a girlfriend seat. Yeah. It has a girlfriend holder, but no car- no cup holders. Exactly. Poor Ida. Needing the help of tactical genius Bellary for the most basic of strategies. I love that the uh, various nuts in the movies just have, like, a giant name blazoned on the side of them. Well, that's, how, that's so you can know what they're called. It is added for the movies, though, as Tyler pointed out, because they had the budget, too. Steed like a bee! Klimnik! What's the meaning of this? Indignant mask is best mask. <laughs> You'll be my shield. Uh, what? I wanted to be the one to fill your dark soul with beam sabers. Anyway, Curbs used all his competence earlier and is captured. To be fair, he didn't come out here intending to fight. Yeah, but his negotiation went very poorly, too. I mean, he didn't even get a chance to roll a persuade. Yeah, they're like, hey, you came for that pirate ship that is our enemy? Get out of here. And by out of here, I mean be my shield. We were kind of down on this episode, and I think it is kind of just a lame action episode in terms of what happens, but I do think a lot of the action beats in it are really good, including the bit where Bellary and Mask have close quarters out of their mobile suit space combat for some reason. <laughs> the, like, grapple guns are cool. All of it, I think, is pretty cool. Even if, again, Mask just gets his ass kicked because he can't catch a break. 
<laughs> I do like that scene of Bell raising his visor. Who am I talking to? Oh wait, never mind, and puts the visor back down. <laughs> He's like, getting out of his mobile suit, therefore put my uh put my mask back down. Yeah, it's got data files. <laughs> it's still such a dumb line. Curbs does still fail to turn mask into jelly. They didn't change that for some reason. People are talking to each other a lot in this episode, despite They're Quim. talking at each other. Yeah, that that that's what I was wondering. Yeah, because no one responds, right? Barara calls Master Klutz and never goes, I'm not a Klutz, rah! Kintala pride. And also, I think it was Zach's high point, but the shot of Ida taking a shot from behind Bellary after he shoots a shadow clone is also <laughs> really good. There's just lots of good little action bits, and I wish this episode had anything else so that they felt important and cool. Well, she's just like on top of the of the G-Self. <laughs> Using it for, as cover. Yes. Was, it, was she tied up in the episode? Yeah. At this point? Okay. But most of the shots are like this from her shoulders up, so you can't see the ropes. But yeah, I love the Mac Knife's like missile legs and missile crotch and missile <laughs> arms. They it's just... got so many random missiles. Yeah. Bowery clearly likes it too, since he takes one of its legs. And then kicks it in the crotch. Yes. It would be great if Bellary just sorted one time with a Mac Knife leg in its <laughs> arm shooting the missiles. That also makes more sense that Clem randomly laughs about how disorganized everyone is. It's not just them. Yeah. Mask blames gravity for his defeat, even though this time it had nothing to do with it. Gravity's over there going, why are you blaming me, man? I didn't even do anything this time. You tried to kill me that once. <laughs> it's your <laughs> fault forever now. I'm not forgiving you, gravity. You did that to yourself. Jeez, that guy's forehead got huge. <laughs> it's uh because space is low pressure it causes it to expand. Anyway, everybody's heading up to Sanct Porto. Bellary thinks they'll get cursed and it's a bad idea. But Ida's like, we have to stop the curse, though. By stopping them. That makes sense, right? We must suppress the curse. We it must suppress the curse. <laughs> anyway, Bellary is uh, easily persuaded by an Ida. Uh, she in has fairness. insane bonuses due to being hot in his type. To be fair, Naredo is also convinced by the argument this time. <laughs> and Choo Choo does a backflip because she's home in and, space. And that's the end of the movie. Hoy! <laughs> I think the problem with this is this movie compared to the last one is that it was a lot of action episodes and the things I liked out of this block of episodes were the political intrigue stuff and a lot of that got skipped over concentrated uh I was gonna say abridged uh, we, we definitely we got the highlights but we miss a lot of like the individual nuances I definitely think this is the worst of the movies the bad news is there's a lot of similar episodes coming up so a lot of the start of movie three is very similar. They just managed to pull out of that nosedive near the end. g for its mid-portion is a lot of, hey, an action happened. What if Bellary put on a backpack and beat a guy? Fewer backpacks than you'd think? Not zero, just fewer than you'd think. <laughs> but yeah, I agree, especially compared to the first movie. I do like the scenes they added. Like I said, I really think it helps with Ida's arc, and it helps the Dillinson thing get more attention. But- there's very, very little added to it. It's definitely not the revelation the first one feels like in comparison. Well, especially because they seemed to have used up all of their transition budget in the first movie. So we're smash cutting a lot in this one as opposed to adding in kind of like those filler points, you know, the spackle that the first episode or the first movie used. Which actually was really nice, right? Yeah. It was real nice looking spackle. I also, I feel like... There were just fewer added scenes overall, like it, transition scenes aside, like there was just like less added content in this one. And really front loaded, right? With the Delinson stuff. Yeah, the curbs thing is kind of in the middle, but there's basically nothing on the end, right? Do you have a high point, Tyler? I think for me, it's actually going to be the whole scene uh, after Bellary gets back and it's everyone like checking out the new flight data in the hangar. When Danielle's like, okay, that kid needs a rest, and Ida's like conflicted about what to feel about it. I think that's pretty good. Zach? I think it's going to be Curbs talking to Bellary about Delinson's death. It's you know, the only time he's... we see him get serious ever. Yeah, right? so far we haven't seen him get serious at all except for right there. And even when he's talking to Bellary, it kind of doesn't really feel like he's blaming Bellary throughout the conversation so much as Bellary's blaming Bellary. And Curbs is just blaming the situation. Yeah, I think those are the two really obvious ones, and I really like both of those parts a lot. I say to Vamp while I try to remember what I'm going to pick, because I think I had something. I'm going to go with Ida's dream sequence that they added in. It's just a, a tiny little beat, but I think it's pretty good. 
especially after those two that you guys had. And gives us, like, any context about what she actually thinks about Cahill, which is, I I think, as you have accurately summarized, lover mentor, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it does kind of fill in that relationship a little bit more. Do you have a low point, Tyler? I think my low point, if... It is not a low point in itself, um, but the laughing at the hippo scene seems way more out of place in the movie than it did in the episode, and that's just sad because I loved that scene, and now it's just kind of there. Zach? I think mine is going to have to be the fact that they kept in the included uh, transformation, non-transformation scene for the uh, G-Arcane. Like, oh yeah, the, the half second why? of it just going wobble, wobble. With no transformation, it just is transformed. And yes. <laughs> I'm going to go with the meta thing about the weirdness with which they treat Ida, right? I do think in the movie it's greatly improved. We talked about a lot of that. But it still feels like this movie didn't watch the first one and how good she was there. I was going to say, runner-up for High Point is also our new fan theory that the mask just stores Lewin's <laughs> personality and he just dies repeatedly. <laughs> Anything else you guys want to say about this movie? It was just too much action and not enough, like, Stuff I'm actually interested in? Yeah. I do agree the the last fight in particular was pretty good. I love the way the Mac Knives move, and, like, I hope that gets expanded upon, generally. Well, if things are continue the way they have been, we won't see the Mac Knives again. Well, that's fair. You gotta buy new playsets and toys, Tyler. Not those old ones. Mask will get a new mobile suit next week. The Jackhammer. (laughs) All right. We will be back next week with episode 12, Capital Tower Occupied. If you don't listen to the podcast, you won't understand G-Reckon.